Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with an eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Are your money back? Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Welcome back to Speed Street. Another episode of Speed Street, and we are coming off just an absolute marathon of races in the IndyCar schedule. It's heading into the week off, and you're going to tell from the streets of Nashville last weekend. Everybody needs a breather. Everybody needs a little bit of a cool down, a cool down lap, and uh, to take a weekend off, and it's coming this weekend. But uh, Speed Street is here as always. Like we'll be every week. I'm Joey Molinero, and with me, per usual, driver of the number 20 bit now ride in the NTT IndyCar Series, Connor Daly. What's up, man? Uh, I'm still struggling from heat PTSD. I don't think that's a uh, real condition, but um, I, I, I've never been in this position before, but I drove home from Nashville on Monday. And it was so hot all weekend. Um, it was it was awful. And Monday, when I got out of the car, like when I got home, it was hot. it's obviously hot in Indianapolis still. I was like, I, I can't I can't be outside. I have to get inside as soon as possible. Like, I don't I don't want to be inside. I, I don't want to be outside. I, I just I can't feel heat anymore. And I just I hid in my house in the air conditioner. I took a cold shower. I was like, I put an ice uh, like an ice blanket over me. It was like. It, it was it was uh, it was a weekend that that I will never forget for all the wrong reasons. But uh, it was yeah, it was a real challenge for all the drivers out there for sure. Yeah, man, it looked like it. and then not to mention just it doesn't matter if you were driving in an Indy car or or what the drive back from Nashville, no matter who you are, just absolutely sucks always. So on top <laughs> of what you went through, we're all feeling it, feeling it for you. It was tough. Yeah, the uh, Kentucky State Troopers were definitely out to take some people down. Uh, I did not get stopped by the by the law enforcement officers, but uh, but my friends Deepu and Steven did get stopped. Uh, thankfully, they uh, they were you know they were they were not obeying the law of speed apparently uh, on on sixty five headed north. But um, but yeah, man, it was a, it was a crazy weekend overall. Um, you know, to get, you know, obviously there was, you know, no formula, formula ones on a break. We had NASCAR at Michigan, but uh, we were heavily, heavily focused on the music city Grand Prix. 
Um, and you know, overall, like, again, going to Nashville is great. Like it's, it's, it's such an incredible city, um, that, you know, there's a lot of energy there. People were excited for the event. Um, you know, a lot of really cool stuff going on, uh, you know, like a little pit stop competition on Broadway. I mean, that stuff's very, very unique, very, very cool to see. Um, and again, even though it was hotter than the surface of the sun, the city is constantly packed and going from sun up to sundown. Um, and really there's no, I don't think there's any hours where they stop. So it was, it was fascinating to see. And yeah, it, it was definitely a tough race to be a part of, but great to be there again, for sure. I mean, did you, did you, did you think there was a lot of hype as well there, Joey? Did you, did you think there was oh, yeah. good, good Nashville hype? Yeah, Nashville hype was there. I mean, you saw it on social media. And then obviously, I mean, what a weekend in terms of, you know, the weather getting involved in both qualifying, race day, you know, getting moved back. You had a ton of moving pieces on race day where, you know, instead of us racing, we're getting uh, Zoom interviews with Scotty McLaughlin on his bus and, and you know, just trying to kill the time as much. I, there was a while there where I didn't think. I was like, I don't know if we're going to get this window in. I don't know if it's going to happen. And then I was getting worried because my buddy's like, they, the GP doesn't have the, the the license or whatever to run on Monday at that track. So I'm like, well, what the hell is going to happen? But luckily, thank God, weather cleared up enough to get in. Um, really, another circus shit show of a race, just like we saw in 2021, albeit entertaining, I thought. Um, but let's get into that. Bunch of drama, tempers flaring, people losing it, cars crashing everywhere. Uh, just your thoughts initially on, on the race itself, what went on on the track? Well, we'll hear more from this as well. Coming up, uh, we have a great guest this week, Marcus Erickson, uh, obviously Indy 500 oh, yeah. champion. Very, very cool. Very, very excited about that. Excited to talk to Nashville about him. Cause I think I hit him at least once, um, and not intentionally at all. We were just kind of stopped in a traffic jam. Um, but it was, yeah, it, it was crazy. And it all really started, um, you know, in qualifying, I think the qualifying drama was 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 crazy in the first place. You had Q, uh, the the first group of qualifying. Um, basically, you had Colton stuff it in the wall and ruin half the rest of the session for all the rest of his competitors, including his teammate, who Alex Rossi was very much not happy with Colton. Alex Rossi also threw his helmet uh, after qualifying, which I heard. So we love when Alex Rossi's got his emotions flowing. I wish they would have caught the helmet throw on camera. That would have been incredible. Um, but, but to, to explain to people a, a little bit how our qualifying works, it's, it's, it's kind of a, sadly, it's a luck-based system. If you, if you go out there on your first run, right? First run, you usually are on the primary tires, which are slower than the alternate tires. You set a lap and maybe, you know, maybe it might not be the right lap or whatever it is, but it's kind of a banker lap. But, you know, sometimes the banker laps aren't, aren't your, aren't your heaters. You know what I mean? That they're not the, they're not the big ones. Um, and so, you know, it, it certainly in our, in our scenario, a lot of the times, you know, our, our, our times on primary tires are not as good as the, the, the black tires or sorry, the alternate tires. Um, and so, you know, my teammate Renus uh, being in the first group as well. Uh, also Simona, my teammate as well, she was in there. Um, you know, they both went out and they happened to go out of the pits on their alternate tires at the right time. Well, Renus did, sorry, Simona hit the wall early on, sadly, and she, she couldn't really do, do many laps, but Renus got to the timeline just in time to get into the top 
12 or top six of that group. And so did Dalton Kellett, who is someone that we are all never talking about in the top 12. Dalton made the top 12 for the first time in his life uh, because as soon as those two guys and, and basically the rest of the fast, fast six at that time, as soon as they cross the timing line, red flag sessions over because it's such a, it's such a short time. You usually go out on those primary tires. They were green this weekend. The, the Ganges river tire, the Guayuli tire, whatever it was called. I called it many, many different things this weekend. Um, but uh, the green tire, those guys happen to get out at the right time, put in the right lap time and, and transfer to the, to the fast 12. And it left guys out of the fast 12 that are, you know, it was incredible. I, I don't even think, I don't think Marcus Erickson made it through the fast 12. I don't think Rossi made it to fast 12. Colton Herta started behind Colton me. Didn't. Like it was, you know, it, it was a, it was a wild scenario. Um, Scott and Dixon, a lot of people, race Scott, yeah, a lot of people had a lot of problems with it. And, that, that meant that, you know, it put both Renus and Dalton Kellett in the top 12, and both Renus and I had struggled all weekend. We, we were definitely not top 12 competitors. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was just crazy right from then on. Uh, and, and this place, this track, no room for error. Uh, very, very tight, very, very difficult, easy to cause a red flag. Um, and, and, and honestly, it jumbled up the grid so much that it made everyone – it was like, well, the race is going to be double interesting now because you had a lot of guys that were not fast in practice. Suddenly they're starting in the top 12 and, you know, a lot of fast guys were, were starting behind them. So really, really interesting. Um, but again, a great, you know, it, it just goes to show you the Penske cars are on fire right now. I think Penske over the last few last six, eight races, it seems like if not the whole year have been the class of the field. Uh, you know, we've, we've said that the Ganassi cars, I would say the Ganassi cars for the first six races were the dominant cars. And I would say now Penske is, is without a doubt, the dominant team. Um, and, and, and you can tell, you know, Joseph Newgarden with a ton of race wins, Will Power with, with a ton of strong races. Um, but, uh, but what, did, what did you think Joey heading into the race with this rank? I mean, as, as someone who's watching from, from the, from the sidelines, I mean, crazy forecast. First of all, we hate it for the NBC TV window. But thanks, Lightning. Of course, right? Just of course. I mean, I I was cool, man. I was at you know I was at our buddy's house, just in the pool, having some beverages, some lattes, and uh, you know <laughs> I was watching it. And I was like, cool, we're gonna get this race in. It looks like I'm having a great time. Sucks for the TV, obviously, but um, you know, I Facetime Scotty Mac after he did his thing on NBC, and I was like, hey, I just watched you on TV, man. I bet on you. You better win. Um, that didn't turn out to happen. It was close, right? Uh, but. You know, to me, looking at the Nashville race, and I, you know, I see people on Twitter having all sorts of opinions and, and, and getting upset about how messy it is and sloppy it is, and how uh, you know the safety car, the pace car is going to, you know, they really won the, the race because they led the most laps. Yada, yada, yada. I thought it was entertaining as hell. There was a bunch of stuff going on. You had people flying everywhere. You had Roman Grosjean getting pissed at New Garden, and then you know, wanting to throw his helmet. I, I was highly entertained and I know it was only what 12 cars, 13 cars finished the race. Uh, but you know, I think a time and a place every now and then for some slop fest out there, you know, I can make it a little entertaining. 
I understand that for sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people who tune into certain racing series, a lot of NASCAR folks as well. You know, when you see certain races, you're like, well, the accidents are going to be wild. You know what I mean? And I don't want Nashville to turn into that necessarily, because again, a lot of yellow laps is quite annoying and, and it sucks for us. It's not IndyCar racing. Um, I, I have a lot really that I want to ask Marcus about, uh, you know, about this as well to see what he thinks, obviously coming from the formula one world. Um, but, but there, there, there's just, there's just too much that was, I, I think difficult for us to put on a proper show. I think there was a lot that did make it a good show, right? Cause when you got angry people, when you got drivers firing their cars at other cars, like weapons, um, you know, what a surprise Devlin D Francesco wrecked another person. Uh, he hit me also at the beginning of the race again, not surprised. No big deal. I said it early on. That's fine. Uh, really, but again, did you talk to Devlin? Nope. Did, did not even look at him. Did not even look at wow. him. <laughs> but again, respect him as a human being, respect his family a lot. I can't say that enough. I, I love Devlin's dad and his family are great people, but I'm telling you, we got to have a sit down meeting. Someone's someone's got to just get through the races without hitting people. When I, when he hit me again at the beginning of the race, I was like, Oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. But, um, because what you said on the radio, bro, (laughs) probably. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I'm, I'm the loser here. That's for sure. No, no, Um, no. He heard that. He saw that. clip, And he was like, Oh yeah, I'm doubling down. Yeah. Well, guess I guess he should have hit me harder then because I I kept going, never saw him again until he was in the wall. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things that, um, you know, again, I, I like a bit of craziness. I've never been in a race in my life where I'm in the pit lane changing a gearbox to then continue to compete because we expect to pick up more positions. Uh, that's never happened to me. Um, you know, we, we, we got ourselves into the right position as well. Like we, we were, we, we, we improved at the start. We kind of kept picking away at it. We took advantage of the chaos. Um, we slipped through a sneaky scenario where everyone was crashing and we happened to get through, we made the right choices. Um, but then I just got hit, you know, and, and broke the gearbox. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, what ended our day was the exact same stack up that got Scott Dixon involved at the beginning, got Graham Rahal involved, uh, Pat Award. Award. Uh, you know, there was a whole line of cars that were basically stopped like a traffic jam. Like everyone forgot that they were drinking lattes and they they didn't look at the traffic in front of them. Oh, no, everyone stopped. You know, what I mean, it was, it was just but it's just kind of embarrassing because that's, that's not really IndyCar racing. Like that's a section where we're doing like, you know, 50, 60 mile an hour. And, and again, we sit so low in these cars that you don't, you don't have a lot of view in front of you. Right. So you're just reacting to the, to the, to the guys or girls in front of you. And there, there was just, there were just too many times where it, was just a dumb incident. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, all right, well, it wasn't really anyone's fault, but it was like the track's fault, you know, because it was so small and everyone's so close and it's, and it's difficult to pass an IndyCar, right? So you're looking for every opportunity. Um, and you know, the first scenario I got through unscathed second scenario, I was the victim and, and we got hit by Harvey Harvey went through, I think two wings. And again, it's not his fault. Like I talked to Jack afterwards. I was like, Hey man, that didn't really feel great. And he's like, yep. Had nowhere to go. I said, yep. I didn't have anywhere to go either. So, 
you know, it was one of those things that I, I was already underneath the car in front of me and he, you know, rammed me so hard that I couldn't select gears afterwards. Um, but again, he comes in, changes the wing, still on the lead lap, finishes in the top 10. So like there was, it was pretty wild to, uh, to see how that, how that race played out. Who do you, uh, what do you think about the new garden Grosjean incident? Oh, well, it was funny. My dad got onto Twitter as well, just to randomly comment and not tag any drivers on Twitter. All (laughs) my dad, my dad's tweet was, 100% 100% Joseph and Kyle Kirkwood's fault on their accidents. And I was like, oh, wow. All right. Well, my dad, Dang, my dad certainly has an opinion Derek. there. And, uh, and I know he's a big <laughs> fan of both Joseph and Kyle Kirkwood. So um, honestly, man, it, it's one of those things that, again, I, I, I will ask Marcus here about this very soon, but I, I don't think the driving standards are high enough right now in IndyCar. I, I think we are, we are getting away with too much contact and people are using their cars as do or die type scenarios. It's I'm going to fire this thing in here. And if I, if I hit him perfect, he's going to end up in the wall. I'm not, or we're both going to crash. And I I just, I don't like that. I I think I wish overtaking was in a better position to where we didn't have to sacrifice our car or sacrifice the other person to make that happen. Um, But again, it's the same thing. So if, if Devlin and I's situation at Indy would have been a street course, right? Where there's no runoff, I end up in the wall, right? But because I didn't, it's like, oh, well, you know, that's that's good racing. I heard from several people, including my boss. And I was like, I disagree completely. But now you have that same thing happening at a street course. And now everyone's mad because, oh, well, old buddy ended up in the wall. You had Kyle Kirkwood end up, you know, if that's a road course, Malukas ends up off the track, you know, comes back on, it's fine. You know, it, same with Grosjean and New Garden. If, if, if that was New Garden on a road course, it's great racing. You know, we just pushed him off. It is so so I, I don't like the disconnect on what's okay and what's not. If you're going to run someone off the road, it doesn't matter what track it is. It's not what we, what I grew up respecting as racing. So again, happy to race that way, but I I just think it's going to get to a point where we can't let that overpower the the quality of what IndyCar racing is. Yeah. Don't look at the result of it. Look at the process that went into it. So take that out. Exactly. Every single one of them is wrong in that scenario. Yeah. And I think right. like on a street course, you can fit two cars. It's very hard, but you can get yeah. cars through there side by side. Right. And on a road course, you can get cars side by side through turns. So it's just a matter of allowing that level of respect. And so, again, I, I'm looking forward to chatting with, you know, with, with Marcus about this and, 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 and getting into it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know, before we get to that, though, you know what I'm saying, though, when I was talking about how, you know, a slot fest like this or a, a, a race like this kind of has a place. I think when you look at like a like if you get if we get to 20 races, hopefully, you know, I kind of compare it to like in the NFL, like 
if you're playing indoors in LA, you know it's going to be a pretty clean track, right? But if you're going to Chicago in December, footing's going to be bad. It's going to be a slobber knocker. It's just part yeah. of it, right? But like that's only one game out of the 17 or 18 games or whatever, right? Like I feel like there is kind of a pl- now have it be respect more respectful than what it was than what it was over the weekend, right? And a few of those instances, but like a track to where it's going to be kind of chaotic. There's a place for at least one of those on the on the calendar, right? Yeah, no, I mean, no, you're not wrong. I I think there's always going to be that in motorsport for sure. I, I, um, I I definitely get it. And I, and I, and I, I do like it from a outside perspective. I think for me as a driver, I didn't like it because I like to race, not drive around under yellow. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you are right there. If we have a couple races where it gets a little messy, people get a little tempers flaring. Honestly, I would take whatever race gets Joseph Newgarden tweeting at uh, dumb fans or dumb dumb people that are coming after him. Has he deleted them yet? Oh no, I don't. I don't know. But any type of race that gets Joseph fired up on Twitter, I'm happy to have those races anytime, any day of the week. <laughs> that was wild. That was absolutely. Wild. I loved every bit of it. I did too, bro. I did too. All right. You want to uh, get to Marcus? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. We are pumped to welcome on uh, the defending, the current, the 2022 Indianapolis 500 winner. His name has been engraved. His face will be engraved into the trophy. His name is engraved into history. He's having a hell of a year. He's been on a roll ever since last year's Nashville race. We are pumped to welcome on the number eight driver of mostly the Husky Chocolate. Sometimes you got some other sponsors in there, but you know him, you love him. Marcus Erickson, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. Good to, good to be on, yeah. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> quick, real quick. Have you deleted your tweet yet to Bromont Grosjean? Let's just get out of the way. <laughs> I, I don't delete tweets, all right? I did give I Roman it. a call, though, so we, we, we have had a chat. So we're, let's say, all good, but... Uh, yeah, you know, you you need some Twitter drama every now and then. So, uh, all for the all for the sport, right? <laughs> I completely agree. I love that. I loved everything that was happening uh, via the internet after the race. Um, crazy race, though. I, I first of all want to clarify a scenario. I do believe that we might have made contact at some point in that first accident where Scott got held up on the wall. I think I was right behind you, and I happened to turn left at the right time to get through the little space and I hit the inside wall, but happened to get through <laughs> while well, you guys all stopped in the traffic jam. Yeah, that is right. Because I, I tried to figure out after how you managed to get like, was it two positions ahead of me or something? Like it was, it was four. Behind I got- that, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what happened there? But then, yeah, that makes sense. It was such a, yeah, that was a, that was a mess situation, but it was a mess of a race as well, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so do you think, I I have a lot of thoughts on the race in general, but like the, the track itself, uh, and there was a lot of discussion about it. Like I listened into the little Twitter spaces you did the other night with uh, with Jack Harvey as well, um, because I, I literally what took me out of the race was that exact same accident that we were in. Like I literally got hit by Jack Harvey because everyone stopped in front of me and I had nowhere to go, and he you know broke the gearbox. So like. It's one of those, and again, he didn't have anywhere to go either. So, like, it's not like I could blame him. It's just kind of the 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 circuit. So, I mean, do you think that 
the driving standards in general are are slightly lower than they could be or are are we literally just kind of we were just kind of victims of that tight of a racetrack it's a good question and i've been thinking quite a bit about it after sunday because obviously it's two years in a row now that on this specific track it became a complete mess of a race you know like both races we've had there it's been almost 50 percent uh, behind the uh, safety car or pace car or whatever you call it here in america <laughs> um and uh, yeah I, I think it has a bit to do with both i think the track itself sort of invites people to do like dive dive bombs and if there is an accident it's easy to get like the chain reaction because it's so narrow at places like you know the fourth rate section someone have a bit of a hiccup and then everyone starts hitting each other and it's just a bit of a problem. Um, I do think though that the way that we have sort of let some some incidents sort of go through where, the, you know, we, we like the hard racing of IndyCar. I think that's right. You know, I think the racing of IndyCar is awesome. But also the way we don't like penalize almost anything, it's sort of inviting, I feel like, drivers to to go for some moves that maybe are not really on, but you just go for it because they know if I get on the inside, you don't really have a lot of respons responsibility anymore. As long as you're on the inside, you're like, you're fine, basically. And I think that's got something maybe to do with it as well that's created a lot of situations in Nashville where people would just send it down the inside, hoping it would stick, knowing that the guy on the outside, he either has to back out of it or he will end up in the wall. And I'm not sure that's the right way to go. I, I, I'm not, yeah, I don't know how you feel about it, Connor, but that's a bit how I felt in, in the natural race a lot of times that people just would send it. Yeah. I, and what I think, what I like, I, what I just mentioned before you, before we welcomed you on here as well is, is like, there are certain scenarios that in, in Nashville, right? If, if, if drivers do that at the Indy GP, it's fine. You just rub the guy and he gets off the road and he comes back on. It was like a scenario where like, uh, you know, when Devlin and I got together, Devlin, you know, knocked me off the road. Oh, well, you know, that's good racing. You know, that's what happens in IndyCar. But then, but then when you're at a street course, you do the same thing. Well, then that person's in the wall and then their race is over and then everyone's more angry. So like, so I, I don't know if there needs to be, there's just a disconnect, right? Like on road courses where there's like maybe less uh, people that end up in walls. It's like, oh yeah, no, that's, that's just IndyCar racing. But then when you're doing the same thing on street courses, and now people are, you know, heavily in the wall. It, there, it, there's a disconnect, right? Because like, I, I wish the standards were just, just slightly higher, just, just a little bit, because that's the racing that I grew up watching. Honestly, I agree, and I think you know, I, I saw the Devlin, you and Devlin there in, in the GP, and you know, nothing against Devlin, but that situation should have been a penalty because he pushes you off the track, basically, right? Like he's he's riding you off the track, um, and like you said there was grass there for you. So you could go on the grass, you lose a couple of spots and, you know, you can still race, but obviously it like it hurts your race, obviously, because track position is everything in, in, in the car. But like you said, when, when you sort of, when you're allowed to do these kinds of things, when you get to tighter tracks then you know, it, it creates different situations. And, and I think it's something, I think us as a series, we should discuss after the, after the season together and sort of, come up with uh, what we think as drivers, the stewards, everyone, and sort of agree which route we want to go. Because I, I feel like 
it's maybe a bit extreme the way it is many times uh, at the moment. Marcus, I've been trying to ask this to uh, the different drivers that we've had on here recently. Um, have you also been contacted by Zach Brown to drive next year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's been calling, you know, and, and and he called my girlfriend as well and wondered if she wanted to drive. So <laughs> perfect, got it, got it, nice. No, good to know, good to know. <laughs> no, but what? <laughs> In all seriousness, like as as a as a team member, as a part of Team Ganassi, as a, a teammate of, of Alex Pelos, um, and I know this stuff you probably can't say, that's fine. But just like, I've definitely been wondering, like, what what is the, the tension like? What is the, the room like? I mean, what 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 is it like being a part of that team now with all that craziness that's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say Toronto when it's sort of all... It all hit the week before Toronto, right? If I remember correct. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and then you know that that weekend was obviously a bit awkward. And and uh, I remember we went on the plane flying there. We were on like a charter, and the drivers we were on the McLaren charter, which was quite funny then because <laughs> obviously <laughs> Alex turns up and there's all the McLaren people and then the Canadian people. It was just yeah, funny situation. But yeah, then, you know, that weekend was a bit weird. But then from then on, at least from me and where I am, you know, I, I share a driver room with, with Alex and, you know, we still talk as normal and sort of work as normal. And, and I'll continue that. I mean, he'll, he's still my teammate and at least until the end of the season. And uh, uh, that's the way I'm going to treat him. So, so unless someone tells me otherwise, that's how it's going to be for me. But of course, it's not an ideal situation. You know, I, you know, it's not ideal for sure not, but it hasn't really changed much within the team. And I think it comes a lot from the leadership as well from Chip that he's very clear that like this is a racing team. We go racing, we go win races. That's what we do. And then the other stuff that's going on now, they, they will sort of work on that outside the racetrack. So I think Chip uh, has a lot to do with that. That he's very clear that like no bullshit here on track. Here we focus on winning races. Do you, um, so in that, the Nashville situation as well, uh, you, I mean, everyone seemed to be involved in a ton of contact and of course, Scott Dixon wins after crashing, you know I mean? That's just, that makes sense. Um, but I mean, to be fair, you won last year after crashing as well. So like, it's, it's just such a wild thing to see. Um, but what actually, what actually happened to you in the end? Because I only remember seeing, like under yellow, finding you in the middle of the track, looking helpless. And I didn't know what happened. I was like, well, how, what? did it happen under yeah. yellow? Something broke down or what? No, so basically what happened for me was that, yeah, like everyone who feels like I got hit like multiple times during the race. Um, and I got a tire cut up, uh, cut up in the beginning of the race at the box and was running, you know, in the back because of that. Uh, but still we were sort of fast and managed to do some good, strategy decision so we got ourselves back up you know and, and i was think seventh on that last restart when it was uh, 10 to go or that was not the last restart but the, the restart with 10 to go i was seventh, and i had uh Groshan and herta in front of me and rossi behind me so it's like oh this is a dicey bunch of guys to be around <laughs> and obviously knowing at that point that you know I'm, I'm fighting for a championship and i was in a good position i had power behind me joseph behind me and all that uh, but on the restart, I think Colton and 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 Roman sort of got together a bit in turn nine, and I managed to jump both of them. Uh, and then I was ahead of them. And then Roman did a 
late dive on me into 11. Um, and I had to, you know how 11 sort of bottles, it gets really tight in the exit. So I basically had to break a lot to, to not risking being in the wall. And then when I was doing that, Colton hit me in the, in the rear and broke the gear, gear pod. So I couldn't, like, the, the car didn't know what gear I was in. The, the dash just froze. And I, I just couldn't change up or down gears. It was like rejecting shifts and rejecting up shifts, down shifts. And I had to go to emergency mode. And I was trying to sort of figure it out. They were trying to help me, but the car was just a bit of a mess. I was just trying to do the laps to get around to the finish line. And I think I was able to do it. Like the car was still running, but I was running slow. But then when it came the red flag, you know, everyone slowed down in that fourth to eighth section. And I couldn't get down to the right to the first gear, like the car was sort of stuck in third gear. So it went into anti-stall. And because the car didn't know what was going on, I think the, when I tried to get into a gear, it went straight into reverse. <laughs> and then it was like, yeah. the, whole, the whole gearbox just went kaboom. And then that was it. Very frustrating. The same thing happened to me. Very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that was so the I'm same thing. I, I, I somehow managed to get back to pit lane and we changed the gearbox, changed the gear stack. Ah. Yeah. yeah that's but it was we, it was yeah, very it was done. very annoying though it was very annoying and we lost like five laps and if we the funny thing is this is actually like you never assume to be competing when you're like five six laps down but if we if we would have got out on track like literally like two laps earlier we would have gained like three positions because you had grosjean yeah. go out you had Callum Isla that was like a lap ahead. Like it was, it was such a wild transition yeah. of like just trying to stay alive. And that I would have got you too. Or, or not, yeah, that was not the fun thing, but like that was interesting because I, when the car eventually stopped there, you know, I was running 12th or 11th at the time. And, and, you know, the car eventually, you know, the gearbox broke and, and I was freaking out and like, thinking, you know, you retire from the race, I'm going to be classified P25, not really thinking that it's not that many cars running and there were so many cars running laps back. So I think I got classified still like 14th or something. So it's like, in the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't a disaster, but obviously instead of having a potential top five, uh, I finished 14th with less than 10 to go. So that was frustrating, but uh, I think uh, I was not the only one frustrated after that race. So uh, it's what it is, I guess. How has your life changed since the 500 win, man? Has it hit you yet? Has the impact hit you in the, in the three months or so afterwards? Uh, yes and no. I think, you know, it's been such a hectic season. Uh, so it's, it's sort of haven't really had time to digest it and sort of think about it that much, to be honest. But at the same time, yeah, for sure, it's like it's changed on the racetrack. It's changed, you know you definitely sort of step it up a couple of levels when you're a 500 champion. You can feel that in, in everything you do, really. And and, uh, and that's been huge. But I'm still pinching myself, you know, about it. I'm still sort of, I think it's going to take a bit of time in the offseason to really let it sink in and sort of realize what I did. Uh, but it's, you know, I still, whenever every time someone presents me and like in the 500 champion, market or in the 500 winner market it's, it's still yeah very very special <laughs> i have an interesting question about the indy 500 which i i love asking people so like who when you won who would be the coolest person that reached out to you like did tom cruise send you a message and be like hey pal 
uh, great job. Or like, I, I always like, I wanted to know like when Alex Rossi won, cause like I was living with him at the time, like who was like, who did you think was the coolest person that reached out to you to say nice work? So it's actually a fun story there. So, uh, I had on the race, I had my manager, my family, girlfriend, and, and one of my main sponsors been with me for like 15 years. So he was there on the podium with me and his phone kept ringing, ringing. And it was this number he didn't have saved and it kept ringing, ringing all the time. And he was just like, switch off, switch off, switch off. And then anyway, he didn't think more of that. And then the next morning, that same number kept calling the next morning and eventually picked up and it was the king of Sweden that's been trying <laughs> to reach him for like all this time. And he had been like de- declining the king of Sweden's calls for like 24 <laughs> hours. And he like eventually gets through like, oh, I wanted to congratulate you and Marcus and the win and you had to send my regards to Marcus. And that was, uh, was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> I didn't even know Sweden yeah, had pretty games, cool, right? I love it. <laughs> yeah. So the king wow. of Sweden was very excited, but he couldn't get through on his uh, calls. <laughs> Declining the king. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so you had that, there were, there were, there's, and there, they've been at a bunch of races that the, the the band of, of Swedish fans that are just diehard Marcus Ericsson folks. They got the flag with them everywhere. Have you formed a relationship with them? Do you know them? Are you close to them now? Yeah, there's a few uh, fans that's been following my career really since before F1 when I was like in, in GP2 or was new, now is F2. And there is still like some of them that comes, like there's a, a group, like a family uh, that's been to... I think from 2010 till now, they've been to like probably like 25 or 30 races that I've done all over the world. And they keep going, you know, at least to a couple of races per year. And they always have the same flag, which I always sign every time. So like the flag has all my signatures and we always date what place and, and date on it. That's pretty cool. So I've got to know a, a few of them. And But it, yeah, it's like you said, it's, it's great support, I think. That's a cool thing with IndyCar now is, you know, me and Felix is here. Linus is leading in Indy Lights. So there's a lot of Swedes uh, competing here in, in, in America at the moment. And the interest for IndyCar is growing so big in Sweden at the moment. It's on live TV, uh, you know, practice qualifying races is on live TV. Actually, the timing with the time difference is not too bad because usually the races are Sunday, like evenings. So it's actually quite a good time for people to, to watch the races. So... It's been it's been cool to see, and now when COVID is sort of gone ish, um, it's been a lot of people flying out and come to races. Like every race, there is Swedish fans there, so it's uh, super cool and means a lot to me. Yeah, I awesome may be blonde hair with uh, blue eyes and have the same kind of skin tone as you, but I'm I'm not Swedish. But since I kind of look like you in a way, I might just you know claim i might hop into that group if they'll have me and be an honorary yeah. swede to represent for the blondes out there you'll you'll fit right in so sounds like a good plan <laughs> just, just jump in you know just grab a beer and jump in you'll be you'll be right 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 at home i promise i do still have sweden on my list of places to visit at some point uh and certainly maybe have 100%. a I mean, the Marcus Ericsson party uh, in, in Sweden after the Indy 500 certain, certainly looked to be incredible, and I, I hope to experience that at some point in my life. <laughs> but, uh, Marcus, as you, you look should. at the next, the next few races, right, we've only got a couple left. You're in the championship fight. Uh, I'm definitely not. Uh, but is there, is there one in particular? Like, obviously, we got a whole mix of tracks, right? You got Portland, 
which is, I mean, absolute chaos in turn one. You got Laguna, which is definitely a difficult racetrack, I would say. Um, and then obviously St. Louis, the Oval. So, you know, what do you think Penske, I feel like, has come on really strong lately. And they have been, I, 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 I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but like I think Ganassi, without a doubt, were the app were the class of the field for the first six, seven races. And recently, Penske seems to have been able to match you guys, I would say. And is that how you feel? And what, you know, wh- which, which one are you say you'd, you'd most be worried about? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Uh, I think, though, we knew coming into the year that, like, Indy Road Course has been a track where we, for some reason, has been struggling a little bit on the last few years. We haven't really found, like, the way we want to run the cars there, and we've been sort of trying different things every race there, I feel like. So we knew, you know, going into that race here a couple of weeks ago that that was going to be maybe a challenge. The, the engine braking on qualifying, meaning I out lost, obviously didn't really... Yeah. It didn't really help <laughs> but uh and then on top of that iowa was also a track we were obviously a bit worried about because we knew we haven't been stronger in recent years and penske has been dominating there in recent years so with that said i think you know those were our two like say worst track on the on, on the calendar and we, we got them out of the way and we're still very much in the hunt so i think you know going ahead now i think gateway is a track we've been all right on lately we maybe not been dominating, but, you know, Scott has won there. I've had top fives there in the last couple of years. So I think, you know, we, we're going to be in the mix there. I'm pretty convinced about that. And road courses, I feel like we're always in the mix. You know, I think uh, both Portland and Laguna, we should have cars that's good enough to win. Uh, so, so, yeah, I feel good about it. I feel like, you know, I was frustrated after this weekend because I felt like, you know, it was such a crazy race and I managed to get my car to a top five position. And if I just finished there in the top five or six, I would have been leading. I would be leading the championship now going to, to the last three. But it is what it is. We cannot change the, the past. Uh, we're still 12 points out of the lead. So we're right in the, in the hunt. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't think there is one track that's better or worse for us. I think all three of them is going to be su- suiting our, our cars pretty well. Does he ever, do you ever want to just, you know, look at Scott in a meeting and be like, hey, why don't you just chill? You have six, all right? Why don't we just <laughs> let me get a seat at the table here, Dixie? Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's the way of seeing it, for sure. He's, he's, a, he's a legend. That's no doubt about that. But the cool thing with Scott is, like, he always won more, right? And that's why he is a six-time champion. It's like he's never happy if he wins the race he, he's gonna work his ass off, to, ass off to win the next race and so on you know so he's that's his sort of mentality and to be fair that's you know you want to beat the best to you know to win you want to beat the best and you have to beat the best so i i, I like the challenge and you know i, I think it's cool with with us in Ganassi. we really work well together and, and help each other and we still obviously compete and want to beat each other but uh, the team spirit is really good what did you think of the, um, I think a lot of us, a lot of people talked about it. You might not talk about this as much as others, but the heat in the cars at Nashville, I think was somewhat unique to the rest of the season. I would say, is there, was there kind of a general feeling across the Ganassi camp that it was like, uh, yeah, this is probably one of the hotter weekends that we've experienced in this race car. It's fine. It's interesting. I don't know. I, I think, you know, I, I'm a person, I don't 
sweat so much or like i, I don't know but I, I i just don't really yeah i don't really <laughs> suffer so much from the heat i think so for me i didn't really feel like a i didn't really feel like it was an issue this weekend and uh, that's why i was like please be as hot as possible and as humid as possible because i know you know a lot of drivers you know and i think it's from person to person you know i i, I think it is just some people suffer more and some less you know it's like genetically uh yeah for me it was fine and I, I had the cool suit for the race and the cool suit in my opinion works really well um so yeah i was fine i i felt fine but uh yeah there you go easy enough my cool suit was leaking freon apparently so mine was not working effectively which was which is great freon <laughs> yeah. apparently is the thing that uh helps school things down so uh that was that was a tough tough scenario out the gate not the so, ideal Mar Marcus, as, as, uh, as someone who has, you know, background in Formula One, you know, F2, all that stuff, and you see the booming that's going on with Formula One right now, and you mentioned it's great, IndyCar is getting there in Sweden, love that. What do you think, in your opinion, that IndyCar needs to do, needs to be better at, or needs to work out for and fall their way to kind of see that similar boom uh, that's going on with Formula One? Uh, I think there's a few things. Uh, obviously, Netflix and Drive to Survive was huge for F1, and and I I know you personally. You know, I was in the first season in like one episode, really, and there's still people like talking to me and like, oh, yeah, I saw you on Netflix, I saw you on Drive to Survive. So it's like that is that is big. Like that was you know half my followers on my social media I got from that one episode on Netflix. You know, so I think I think that definitely made a huge impact on on getting new new fans to the sport. With that said, I don't know if copying what F1 did is exactly right for IndyCar, but I do feel like there is something unique unique about IndyCar racing, especially about the 500. And what was cool with the Drive to Survive is that, you know, you get to know more the personalities. And I think, you know, IndyCar, we have so many great personalities. We have so many cool personalities that you can create stories around so i think you know there's definitely there is something there i can't put the finger on what but there's something there that i think we can do to help promote the series i think on the social media side uh, i know it's it's getting better but i think there's still you know f1 is really they were leading the way there like five six years ago really starting to push through a lot of stuff on social media and building uh, a lot of content there and i think there is still more that can be done there from IndyCar to really promote the sport and the battles and everything like between races and so on. Uh, and also I feel like during the races, I think NBC is doing a good job, but I think still there's so much drama, right? There's so much things happening in an IndyCar race. There's so many cool battles. And I feel like many times, you know, you see 10% of, of all the action that's on track. So I think there is also there, you know, you could, um, push to getting the product out even better for, for the people watching. So th there is areas, but I think with all that said, I think the sport is moving in such a great direction at the moment. You know, it's the car count is going up all the time. The racing is amazing. The, the amount of, you know, good drivers is coming into the series. I think it's incredible. I think, you know, now you have a bad day, you're struggling to be in the top 20. Like it's crazy. Like the, the competitiveness of the series, I think is just, unreal so there's a lot of positives there but i think there's still room for improvement yeah it's funny you mentioned the, the the battles throughout the field i think because there are so many good drivers right now right 
the, the, the director of the TV broadcast has to be like, look, they might not be passing for the lead right now, but there's a hell of a battle going on. Cause like, I don't even, I didn't watch the NDGP yet, but I remember I obviously stalled in the pits and I had to come all the way from last again. So I eventually found you guys and there was a, a wild battle going on between like six different cars and like people swerving all over the straights. They were blocking and people cars going off. Everything was happening. That was like soon after that, like me and the devil and thing happened. But I was like, I really hope someone saw that because like, cause like the championship leader, like or championship top three, like you were involved. There were like, there were people that are involved here that like, I just, I just wish that there was more of the racing that was seen because there truly is something going on from P1 to P24. You know what I mean? And, and that battle for P19, is it P19? Yeah, that sucks. But like, it still matters. Like every, every position matters to people. And like, even in formula one, the broadcast, like they'll show, you know, Latifi battling Albon for whatever, because like they, they, well, they have to, cause there's no passing in F1 anyway, but like, it's, it's one of those things that like, I do wish that we could see more of in our broadcast for sure. Yeah, no, I, I really agree. And I think, uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, if they need more people or, uh, you know, one thing I think, would help is to to you know get more onboard cameras we still have, oh, yeah. we all have onboard cameras right but like to to be able to, i don't know how the te- technology because like every team every car have onboard camera but there's only a few that have like the right onboard camera that they can broadcast for the for the tv and it seems like all the people that have that they get so much like free exposure right way and, more yeah. and it's yeah, and and it's you know it's, it's a bit frustrating there because I agree with you. You know we had that battle there in the midfield that was awesome and it was so much fun and it was like uh, frustrating also. But yeah, it was, yeah you know same. there was yeah. definitely <laughs> there was definitely entertainment there. You know and and I don't know how many times I've come in after a race and I speak to my trainer or something like, oh, did you see that battle? You know that was awesome. He's like, uh, no, no, <laughs> I didn't see that. Like they didn't show that. Like man i wish i did <laughs> so i know recently you uh were in attendance at one of my best friend ben polizzi's comedy show do you do, did you enjoy yourself and uh do you recommend people go check out the uh, f boy island star on stage yeah of course yeah it was really it was really <laughs> fun actually it was uh it was uh i texted you that night yeah, I know. It was a surprise for my girlfriend. She was like, we're going on this uh, thing. I'm not telling you where. And we went downtown and then we went and it was still yeah, this like semifinals of Indiana, funniest in Indiana comic, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was a fun night. We should go. Awesome. We should go next time. Connor, are you coming? Well, I have a <laughs> question about going out. Um, let's say you win the championship. Uh, we're obviously going to be out West already. Do we go to Vegas for the next weekend? Like right afterwards? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Let's do it. Cause I'm already going the next weekend after the race season's over. So it seems like the right move. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, I still, you know, this is might sound crazy to you, but, uh, I still haven't been to Vegas. So that's, that's, I need astounding. to go to Vegas. Yeah, lock up, lock up the trophy, and then go with Connor. No one better to go with. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I can't think about anyone better to go with than Connor to Vegas. So it's like you know, you <laughs> well, can be my tour guide. Some, we've had some good times in our lives, that's for sure. We've, we've not not had the worst times. Um, 
But yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you coming to do this with us. Uh, just good to get another perspective on everything. Obviously, I, you know, I can talk, talk people's ear off about these races. Um, but, uh, but it's important to get, you know, someone who is at the, uh, at the forefront of the championship battle right now uh, with three rounds to go. I, I, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Um, I love gateway, so I'm definitely going to try to beat you guys gateway, but, uh, but it's going to be one of those, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to the last race. I think Scott Dixon is now on a heater and Scott Dixon's hard to beat when he gets hot. So, uh, I, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for sure. And, and, and Scott seems to have things, uh, you know, like you said, he's really hit his stride now. Um, but you know, if you're going to win an Indicon championship, you have to beat the best, right? So it's, uh, it's how it should be. Uh, I'm ready for it, man. I'm, I'm going to give my all and then see if we can get it. I think we have a good chance, but it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. I, I, I love that it's, you know, five drivers, maybe even seven that has a shot at it with three to go. I think that's awesome. So, uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, fun to see how it plays out. Hey, last one, last one for me. Um, where can I get some Husky chocolate? <laughs> uh, not in America, unfortunately. Uh, it's, it's quite a lot in Sweden. In Sweden, it's like in convenience stores and uh, gas stations. They, they have it pretty much everywhere there. So it's, it's getting bigger in Sweden and they have a couple of other countries in Europe that have it. Uh, but yeah, still not in North America, unfortunately, which is a bit of a shame because we got like the best advertising ever winning the 500 yeah. and we don't have the product. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a mess. Can I order but, it? Uh, I, I don't think you can because it's like, you know, it's like milk. So it's like, you can't, it's like all these rules with like moving from Europe to America you need all these licenses and stuff. But I, I know they're still working on getting it to the States. So hopefully in the future we'll have it. I'll be handing out free chocolate to everyone in the paddock. That'd be fun. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks, Mark, for the time, man. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck down the stretch here in the championship battle, bro. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Take care. Yeah, thanks, man. Great interview with uh, Indy 500 champion, um, Marcus Erickson, a legendary chocolate uh, connoisseur. Um, King of Sweden can just you know, be declined. Uh, I still, I don't know. I thought that was the funniest thing ever when he said the King of Sweden, the King of Sweden was calling. They're just like, nah, who is this? Like what, who's, who's calling? Hilarious. Great, great chat. Yes. Great chat. Great insight. Um, yeah, he mentioned a lot of good things. He's, he mentioned a lot of personalities in IndyCar. I think he's one of them. And I mean, the tear that he's been on since Nashville 2021 to, now, yeah, he's really been putting himself at the forefront of, of the sport of the series. So appreciate the time. And uh, that's what we do on Speed Street, man. We get champions. We get famous people. And uh, we just have a great time. So <laughs> We try our hardest. Um, I mean, and it's, it's funny because, like, he, he mentioned, uh, like, to get into the heat thing as well from Nashville, I think, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are certain drivers. Like, I struggle, I think, the most with heat of any driver in the series. Um, but there are a lot, like, after the first practice at Nashville, I will tell you, it was because the, the first practice is a long one. Like you're in a, you're in, you're in and out of the pits a lot. You're it's, it's, you know, 75 minutes or whatever it is. Um, and, and I, we, we, cause we all go to the scales to, to weigh in after the first, uh, first, first session for the serious technical stuff. Um, and all the drivers there it just looks like people, I mean, 
They, Mar- Marcus and other superheroes might like not complain about the heat, but it looked like everyone was dying. Like it was like everyone was sweating their heads off. I mean, it is. It was definitely one of, if not the hottest weekend I've ever experienced in an IndyCar. Um, and it's it's just it's astounding what the human body can survive. Uh, first of all. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad Marcus's cool suit was working on, on, on Sunday. Mine, I guess was leaking a little bit of stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're out there fighting and, and, and what I keep telling people as well is like the cool suit and the, and the stuff that's designed to help us with the heat in, in, in the cars, right? Well, it's, it's kind of helped by airflow and airflow is always improved at higher speeds. Right. And guess what's probably the slowest track on the calendar. It's well, it's Nashville because you've got really only the two straights where you get finally into top gear and all the rest of the corners are first gear corners almost. So um, actually they all, they all are first gear corners. So it's definitely a, a, a lack of air movement. Um, and after the race, I have never felt, and I didn't even compete at the end. I was five laps down. Um, still trying to survive, but at the, you know, at, at the first pit stop, uh, the team dropped a giant bag of ice on me. They draw like in the pit stop fueling instead of the guy pulling the tear offs, he dropped a giant bag of ice on me. And I fought with this bag of ice, basically the entire few, next few caution laps to try to get this ice inside my suit, but you can't really drive an Indy car with your knee and you can't drive it with, with no hands either because, street courses are quite bumpy and no power steering this sucker will veer into a wall in no time and so i eventually i don't know if i don't think the camera ever caught this i don't know but i i hucked a giant like gallon sized bag of of ice out of the car like a grenade uh into turn 10 on the final lap of the yellow come to the green flag so i don't know who found that bag of ice i don't know what what happened to it but uh, I did throw uh, throw out something from the car, and uh, thankfully it did not cause uh, more yellow flags. But it was the hottest weekend I've ever experienced. It even prevented me from drinking on Sunday night because I was a walking dead body and fell asleep. <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah, man, that's uh, <laughs> that's incredible. See, they're just like us, right? We throw shit out our window sometimes when we need to. Uh, we drive with our knee when we need to sometimes. So that's good to know. There you go. Yeah, we're just we're just trying to make the best of the situation. We're trying to survive. We got to just make it to the next level. That's it. Make it to the next ne- next lap essentially. Right. We had some breaking news here. Maybe not so breaking. I don't know. Producer Ben was like, "Yeah, that's old news. Worst kept secret in motorsport." And I didn't know it was coming. So, Connor, why don't you fill us in on what we got? Yeah, so friend of the show, um not a friend of a lot of people in the Xfinity series, though, obviously, because he wrecked a lot of people not too long ago. But Noah is my friend, Noah Gregson, uh, driving for Petty GMS in Cup in 2023. Um, really interesting, honestly. I, I, I didn't expect that move. Um, but he's always, I mean, he's been on the verge of getting into Cup. He's been right there. Why, why didn't so, you expect it? I don't know. I, 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 felt like, I felt like if he wanted to go Cup racing, he was going to try to wait for a, a big seat opening, right? Whether that's the Hendrick seat, whether it's a Seward Haas seat, whether it's a, you know, any, any one of Gibbs, any one of the, the, the big major teams. Um, but to be fair, you know, Petty GMS has had some good runs this year with Eric Jones. Um, so it's, 
yeah, it, it, it's 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 going to be interesting. I, I'm excited for him, though. I, I think um, I, he's won a lot of races. So, like, despite what you think of him, because of the the wrecking and whatever it is, you know, the guys won a lot of races. So, you know, race winners should be promoted for sure. Do you think Ty Gibbs will be in Cup next year? I don't know yet. I don't know. Ben, That's what do a you great think? question. If Kyle ends up staying there, I don't think so. But, um, I mean, I guess they could put him in the 45, but I think Kyle is the main chess piece that needs to be moved because wherever he goes, that's going to fall in place everywhere else. Because, like, if that 18 opens up, but if the, the 45 ends up being open too, like, Gibbs is going to the 18. Like, he's not just going to sit at 23-11. Like, he's going to the 18. So, nobody knows. Like, literally nobody knows what he's doing right now. So, it's it's, uh, it's kind of, that's the whole thing's kind of a mess. Gotta well, cross love it. And you can catch uh, Ty Gibbs on the Dale Jr. download. Uh, this yeah. Is part of Dirty Mountain Media. Obviously, the uh, father show on this umbrella that we're under. So check that out. Um, what else is going on, man? Do we have, uh, do you want to get to the Ricky Treadway random Indy 500 driver? Uh, well, you're going to, you're, I mean, you got the weekend off. What's going on? We got, we got stuff happening with different drivers. What's the plan? What are we doing? We chilling? We partying? Well, yeah, it is going to be uh, the first weekend off that I've had since uh, April. So very excited for it. Uh, honestly, excited for the next IndyCar race in general at St. Louis. It's one of my favorite tracks. Um, but, yeah, first weekend I'm going to go get out to L.A. Uh, for a little bit, see what happens out there, spend some time in the sun, which is not what I need after Nashville, but um, <laughs> but going to be a great time. Um, and, uh, yeah, just nice to have a weekend off. I think the crew guys really need the weekend off, too. We had a couple crew guys go down um in nashville because the heat so uh it'll just be nice to get everyone um you know recharged for sure hell yeah brother sounds good and then we'll be right back at it only three left depressing to think about but um that's where we stand yeah three races left uh let's get into the ricky treadway random any 500 driver you said it's a good one this week yeah so we went we went way deep into the history books so this is the the 1931 Indy 500. Uh, we went way old, uh, and our driver was born in the 1800s, 1895. Oh my God. Um, Speed Gardner is this man's name, uh, and his uh, the sponsor owner of the car is uh, Nutmeg State, and I don't know what that means, but uh, Nutmeg State was the sponsor of Speed Gardner. He finished 25th. Uh, Speed Gardner was born in 1895, July 2nd, 1895. Um, best result in the Indy 500 uh, was sixth in 1929 uh, with the help of his relief driver, Chet Gardner, which I assume there might be a family relation there. Um, and they completed the event at an average speed of 88.4 miles per hour in his Miller-powered Chromalite car. Um, so, yeah, uh, speed... His actual name is William H. Speed Gardner, but we don't care about real names. We care about how they show up on the results sheet, and that's uh, Speed Gardner. And so he died in uh, 1972, age 76. So uh, you know what? We're learning about the 30s, the roaring 30s, as they say, or they don't. No, that was actually during the Depression there. You're, you're, yeah, you're, it's you're not great. Got yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Speed Gardner. That's, uh, that sounds like um, you should be like an NFL player, like Sauce Gardner. That's what I'm thinking of. There you go. Uh, very cool. How about this name in here? Stubby Stubblefield. He was a rookie that year. 
That is a very 1930s-esque name, it feels like. Uh, good deal, well, man. Once we, nice get into, yeah, w- once we get into the 30s, we can get real creative with the names, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Nice poll there, man. All right. Well, uh, you know the deal, folks. Um, be sure to follow us at Speed Street Pod, Instagram, and Twitter. We're growing that Instagram. It's getting close to 1,000. The Twitter continues to go. I mean, we're, we're really rolling on Twitter. People seem to like interacting with us on there. So, and we like interacting with you. So follow us there at Speed Street Pod. We're available uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, I believe, uh, most places you get your podcasts. And then every week, the day after the audio is released, our video is released on Dirty Mo Media's YouTube channel. So go, go subscribe there. We have a playlist, Speed Street Pod. All of our full shows are there. So you can listen. You can watch along as well. We truly appreciate you. We love hearing your feedback. And again, we're just trying to grow this into the neighborhood, baby. So, Connor Daly, anything left for you, my man, before we get out of here? Nope. Thanks for listening. Always appreciate the folks in Nashville that come up and say hello to us and that they're listening to the podcast. It's more and more every week, so we appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. Appreciate that. Ben, appreciate you. Obviously, Marcus Erickson, Erickson thanks for stopping by to him. And until next time, we'll talk to you on Speed Street. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. Dirty Mo.